The views and opinions expressed on Smack My Pitch Up are those of the panelists and not those of GUI Network, their sponsors, or any of the properties mentioned. Listener discretion is advised. This podcast is rated R for violence, language, and nudity. Well, it's a podcast, so you won't see the nudity. I just do it to make the guest uncomfortable. In a world gone mad with unnecessary reboots, remakes, and sequels, only one podcast has the guts to make it even worse. This is Smack My Pitch Up. Hello, geeks, and welcome to another episode of Smack My Pitch Up, the podcast that reboots, remakes, reimagines, sequels, sidequels, and adapts some of your favorite and least favorite properties from film, television, and what have you. Today, we've got a very special Smack My Pitch Up. I'm actually doing a solo this time. I do not have a guest with me for this episode. There are some scheduling issues. As many of you that listen to a number of the other shows in the network, October is always a very busy month for us. We uh, try to knock out as much Halloween spirit as possible. And this episode is no exception. We have a Halloween-centric episode, very special one, a mishmash on its own right. So there won't really be a need for mashups because that's literally all we're doing on this episode is a huge mashup. So before we get underway for new listeners, I am Mike the Hobbit, the host of this show and the runner of the Geeks Under the Influence Network. And tonight we're going to be talking about mashing up some of the biggest slashers in horror history together into one film. Now, there's been a number of movies where the actors that are known for portraying these roles have been in the same film together, but this would be the first time, besides Freddy vs. Jason, where they're all together. Freddy vs. Jason was just those two, and I'm talking about expanding on that idea that was supposed to be uh, the original story, which was Freddy vs. Jason vs. Ash, and then they looked at Mike Myers, and really using that thought process to kind of expand on that and see what it would look like to have all of those famous slashers and maybe a couple of protagonists as well thrown into one film. So if you haven't already, before we get underway with the casting and the tone and everything, I want to uh, suggest, you know, making sure that you subscribe, rate, review, anywhere you get your podcasts for Smack My Pitch Up and all the other shows in the network as well. But we're going to be releasing a lot of horror-centric stuff this month for Halloween and... We want, just want to make sure that you get it as quickly as possible. Again, also, because of an idea that I had to attach to this episode that we're doing right now, this is releasing a day later than normal, and I just I had to do something kind of fun and incredibly stupid, and you'll see later in the episode what I'm talking about, and that kind of pushed the release date by a day. So hopefully it's worth it to you, but we'll find out together. Now, as far as the tone of a movie like this, well, first off, the plot is really important when talking about how you're going to find some kind of excuse to get all of these famous slashers together on the screen at the same time. And it's finding that right element that like pulls it all together. And I think what's really going to make it work is the Necronomicon Ex Mortis. The Necronomicon is a pathway to evil dimensions or what have you. So you can use that 
as the MacGuffin that allows all of these monster hero characters to uh, find themselves in in the same universe, in the same situation together. So my thought process is that Ash is kind of a fuck-up in his later years. Anybody that's seen Ash versus Evil Dead, it just kind of expands upon his fuck-upness, his burnoutness in that series. And I want to kind of take that note and also his womanizing ways and incorporate another icon of horror, Elvira. And I'm astounded that they have not shared the screen together before because the idea of Ash and Elvira together, just that alone, every fan of horror in the world would come out to see this movie. It would be a massive success just to have Ash and Elvira on the screen at the same time. So you have Ash basically pick up Elvira at the bar or some kind of like Elvira's, you know, famous for a TV show and maybe like they run into each other or what have you, any kind of bump into each other kind of thing. She's very sexual. So is, so is Ash. Uh, they kind of hit it off. They decide to go back to his place. Uh, hijinks ensue and Elvira ends up coming across the Necronomicon. And from that, she ends up reading a passage that opens up portals from all the different dimensions and summons the most evil of creatures from those worlds. And that brings in the idea for the title for this movie, which would be summon all monsters and basically pulls them in kind of like into the spider verse kind of thing where they all get pulled into the same area. And the only way to be transported back is to be the last monster standing, but the last monster standing also it, attains all the evil powers of those creatures and is able to take over the world. So Elvira and Ash are trying to kill all the monsters. The monsters are trying to kill each other and not be killed by Ash and Elvira. Boom. Bob's your uncle. Everyone against everyone. Uh, Ash and Elvira taking different turns to be the hero of the situation. Ash being the, like, the brawn aspect of it. Elvira clearly being the brains, big brains on that lady. And it gives an excuse for there to be all sorts of crazy one-on-one -on -one or multiple battles between all these famous slashers. And the, the ones that I'm leaning towards, and we're keeping it limited, we can't do all of the slashers. Like, why would... Uh, it, it would just be too much screen time for all of them. So I'm focusing on maybe the big hitters. We've got Freddy, Jason, Mike Myers, Candyman, and Leatherface. And if... There's an opportunity, Chucky. Now, I did not cast a Chucky because that would just be a voice acting thing and it's a little boring. I did. It is a little bit challenging with roles where there's a masked character. It is difficult to find a reason why a certain actor for, should portray that role. And I did consider the size of the actor. I did consider there being a possibility of narrative of the character in their brain, but I don't want to go that route. That's like making Tom the cat from Tom and Jerry talk. You know, that's just, it's a silent character. It should say, stay silent. But the tone of this, though, of course, needs to be gruesome in nature. Gory, super gory, uh, intense, uh, cringy at times, but also incredibly funny. You know, the this is going back. This is definitely a kind of an homage to those classic castle of uh frankenstein where all the universal monsters ended up meeting up together this is a monster squad kind of thing this is those movies where it's finding some random thing to throw all these characters together 
because they're known quantities and it's a money grab, but fuck it, let's have fun with it. Why not try to make it a good money grab? And I think a director that would really understand how to have fun and be intense and be gruesome and play with all these characters and give them proper reverence in their roles is, and I really couldn't think of a better director for this kind of project, would be, of course, James Gunn. This is a director that's worked on big budget things. This is a director that's worked with uh, beloved characters and known how to approach it with some real appreciation on how important these characters are to people. Uh, this is a director that started in horror and and B cinema with working with Troma and doing Tromeo and Juliet and any number of other Troma projects that he was involved in before moving on to do to write the Dawn of the Dead remake. So again, horror. And then directed Slither, again, horror. You know, very firmly based in horror, but also has incredibly comedic talent when it comes to writing. If you just look at all the Guardians of the Galaxies movies, they're absolutely hilarious. And even in horror, it was very comedic. Uh, Tromeo and Juliet and Slither, very, very funny. So that's my directing for this uh, this project here. And uh, might as well just go through the casting list here. So this is tough because... It's really difficult for some of these roles because the actors that portrayed them are so iconic. And as much as there's still an opportunity for, let's say, like a Freddy Krueger to say, well, of course we want Robert England to reprise the role. And I would say that would be primary. But I wanted to kind of approach this in the same spirit as normal smack my pitch up and think about this uh, as a alternate universe version of these characters that exist, you know, kind of the the like DC universe kind of thing where there's multiple versions of and Marvel's kind of playing with that. It sounds like too, with the upcoming multiverses and uh, just seeing with this director, who would he cast as these different characters? So for Freddie, it's an actor that always works with James Gunn and I think would be very fun and a, definitely a different take to Freddy Krueger. I went with Michael Rooker as Freddy Krueger you may know him from early horror roles of like Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer and The Walking Dead. So again, very familiar with the makeup involved with a film like this and also additionally like the the gruesome aspects of it. Very familiar working with James Gunn. Has worked with him on a number of projects and is funny in this almost effortless kind of way where you don't really know if he's intending to be funny or if He's just so absurd with his scenery chewing and his nature as a person. If that itself is just so naturally bizarre that it creates this kind of like humorous tone. And I don't think it really matters which one is which, you know, why Rooker comes off as funny as he does sometimes, because that to me reads similarly to how occasionally Kruger reads in these films where there's the unbelievably zany movies that he's been in. Um, the the later uh, Freddy Krueger, I'm saying like four through you know six, um, that are super goofy zany, and then there's ones that are a little bit harder, like the first one, and then the last one is well, New Nightmare, where it's just definitely a lot like sharper, but still some humorous elements. I feel like there's an in between there that Michael Rooker exists in, where he can be very goofy, but also that like not sure about him kind of goofy where you don't know if he's going to murder you or give you like a big old uncomfortable hug at any point. And that discomfort really, really, I think would work relatively well for Freddy Krueger because even when he's cracking jokes, the characters are supposed to be a little bit like put off by him. And that's 
totally the read that you get from his characters like Yondu in Guardians of the Galaxy. So I think for this version of Freddy in this multiverse version with James Gunn directing, Michael Rooker's the best choice for Freddy. Now, the next one is a little bit more difficult to cast only because it's a non-speaking role. <laughs> That's one of the challenges for this kind of movie is that there are three characters that are not very talkative that we're talking about here. And the first one, of course, is Jason Voorhees, who also wears a mask most of the time in these movies. Now, when you have cast a better known actor, you're going to need to have some off mask time as well, which does happen in the movies, but it should not be the majority of the time like Stallone and Judge Dredd. Most of the time, the mask should be on. But I'm also looking at body size. Uh, the, the shape of Jason has changed over the years. He was a lot leaner in the earlier movies and then became a lot beefier as things went along. And considering this is a, you know, battle royale of slashers, you want that beefier Jason to be the pr character. You know, you've got Michael Rooker's kind of a, a broader Freddy Krueger. He's, he's not a, quite as scrawny as Robert England is, but he's still like a smaller dude. And I do want to have some kind of variance in size between the two that Freddy has to look up to Jason because Jason's so big and um, and broad as well. And I thought it'd be interesting to lean into kind of the, the joke about Jason being a big dummy and cast an actor that also gets a little bit of that stereotype and putting Channing Tatum in as Jason. So it'd be Michael Rooker versus Channing Tatum. And then also just the humor that really worked for Deadpool with Ryan Reynolds of taking a pretty man and then just fucking up his face and then covering it most of the time. You know, there, there's something I appreciate about that. Not, not that, uh, not in a, in a jealousy kind of way so much as that there's an actor whose main reason for being so successful is their, you know, their looks, their, their ability to be the sex symbol. And then you take all of that away and what's left if done properly shows that there's more than just the pretty face. And I think that's, you know, something that I think Channing Tatum kind of needs. He's seen as just the pretty boy for the most part, but I think there's more talent there than he's given credit for. And I would like to see that by scarring up his face, covering his face and seeing what he would do in a mute role. Let his body language do a lot of the work. Then for Candyman, And this, this was a tough one because just like Freddy Krueger with Robert England, there's something that Tony Todd brings to Candyman with that, just absolutely iconic, gravelly, deep voice that Candyman has, or that Tony Todd has, and his stature and the way he holds himself, and it's there's no rushing to the way that his, that his mannerisms are. It's very much a Tony Todd performance of the character, and they've become kind of hand-in-hand, hand, and it's hard to separate that sometimes. But I was looking for an actor that both had familiarity with James Gunn that would be able to not copy Tony Todd's portrayal, but find their own rhythms with the character of Candyman. And I went with uh, Jimon Honsu, uh, if I'm pronouncing that correct. And you may know him as uh, Karath from Guardians of the Galaxy, the one that goes, who, when Star-Lord is mentioned. He, he's been in uh, uh, Captain Marvel as well. He was in Never Back Down, in Blood Diamond. He's been around forever and been in a ton of movies. Uh, most recently, though, has been mostly known for Guardians of the Galaxy. And uh, great actor, has a uh, relatively thick accent. You can use that as kind of a means of 
exploring the backstory of Candyman a little bit more. Uh, and this movie being so goofy as it is, that could be the humanity part of this story that really is a through line to allow you to connect all the dots together that ultimately like Candyman is a monster and kills people and he's bad, but you can understand his character a little bit more than some of these other slashers with Freddy Krueger. He was a, a like a child, like rapist and killer. So nah, <laughs> there's no, there's no redemption for him with uh, Jason Voorhees. Yeah. There's a little, there's a sadness to it, but the amount of murders that he's done since then, it just kind of like lessens that Candyman at least only shows up when he's called upon. You know, he's not out there actively going on rampages. It's people searching him out that end up reaping what they sow when they're asking for it, basically in a, in a real way, they're calling to him to show up. And I don't know, it's just a different dynamic. And I think uh, with his accent, with just that actor's ability to play this kind of angry, but not like rage angry, just like under the skin angry of just chip on shoulder kind of thing, I would think would be interesting to see how that would play into the Candyman role in this regard. Then we've got Leatherface, and Leatherface, again, isn't one of those characters that doesn't really talk, <laughs> and uh, he makes noises. That's about it, and uh, you don't really need a v actor with a iconic voice to go Rrr! So I also looked at size here as far as like how, you know, Leatherface is definitely like a wide dude. It's a, that's a, that's a big man. And I wanted somebody that kind of was able to portray that as well. And uh, I decided to go with John Cena, who is going to be working with James Gunn on, or I think they may have finished rap, uh, a wrapped film on The Suicide Squad. He plays a character in that film. So he has had the opportunity to work with James Gunn now. And I, I feel like that's not going to be a bad pairing. I think John Cena is not the best actor in the world, but he's not bad. He's passable as an actor. He does his, his job fine. And I think he would be able to get what James Gunn is going for, for as far as uh, character being taken seriously, but still having elements of a uh, humoristic and kind of a satirical nature to this, to the tone. And I think he'd be able to have a lot of fun with that as Leatherface in this role as Leatherface is kind of like the big dum-dum of this group. And that's going to be what's kind of played a little bit is that, you know, J Jason Voorhees isn't winning any spelling bees anytime soon, but at least his kill counts a lot higher than Leatherface's. Uh, he's also a lot more in the like unable to be killed supernatural kind of thing than Leatherface is. Uh, Leatherface is just this big dummy that from a hillbilly family. And that's going to be interesting to see how John Cena really plays that in this, uh, in this version. Then we've got, and this, this, uh, hold on, because I, it was very difficult for me to even wrap my head around the idea of anyone playing Ash Williams besides Bruce Campbell. It's, again, just like Freddy Krueger, just like uh, Candyman, the actor that portrayed this character becomes almost one and the same. It's very hard to separate the two from each other and, you know, have another actor step in and do it. It's not going to be the same portrayal. And that was considered when looking at all these different, um, different choices here for Nathan Fillion. 
uh, is it's who I went with for this one because he is very funny and he can also be kind of dark and mean if need be if you've seen any of Firefly or Serenity. But it's a different kind of way that Bruce Campbell would do it. Again, you know, you don't want an actor that's just going to copy what the previous actor did with the role. You want somebody that's bringing their own nuance to it, their own uh, flair. That's why it's interesting to see the choices that were made between all the different actors that played Batman and all the different actors that played Joker, especially, is that there was nuance to it. They weren't doing it the same way. And that's important. And I thought it would be really interesting to see as Ash, who's this, you know, this hero, anti-hero almost to a degree, uh, protagonist that's kind of rude and but also is really good at what he does. And it there's so much that mirrors that kind of attitude with uh, Mal from Firefly and Serenity. And Nathan Fillion can do the action stuff. He can also very much be a leading man. Uh, he, he should be more of a leading man in Hollywood as far as I'm concerned. And so I, I just thought it would be interesting just to see what kind of version of Ash we would get with, uh, with Nathan Fillion in that role. Also, Nathan has worked with James Gunn on Slither and did a voice role in Guardians of the Galaxy. He's going to be in The Suicide Squad as well. They're good friends outside of just the, the stuff they've done together. He was in Super as well. So it just made sense to have him in this role. And it didn't seem like a bad fit out of if you had to recast uh, Ash Williams. So on to, and this was another, it's so tough, Elvira. Cassandra Peterson played Elvira. It's really hard to look at anybody else in that role. There's been actresses that have like dressed up as Elvira before, but nobody is Elvira besides Elvira. And so it's really hard to think of who would be able to do that. But an actress that definitely has comedic chops and doesn't get enough credit for her comedic chops and also has the uh, the uh, the assets to uh, <laughs> to play Elvira and good God, a gorgeous woman and and funny comes off very intelligent, I think would have a lot of fun, especially with the like slight nod to all the brown coats out there uh, with their relationship from Firefly. Christina Hendricks as Elvira uh, would be, I think, a lot of fun and and sexy and strong-willed and I, yeah, I'm I'm I would not be mad at that. I think you, of course, still could cast Cassandra P uh, Peterson because she's aging like a fine wine, and uh, I think would still knock it out of the park. But <clears throat> that's not what we're doing here on this version. So, so that's my. Uh, serious remake version of, of, well, or mashup version of uh, Summon All Monsters, as I'm calling this. There is no way to do a movie like this uh, without upsetting fanboys. And remember, the whole thing with this show is not necessarily stating that roles should be recast or the re things should be remade or rebooted. It's more just a, a fan casting. It's a mental exercise to see what this would look like. And... I, the concept of this is very much something that would, I would have a lot of fun with. You just have this battle royale between the monsters. You don't need a very strong excuse, just enough of a MacGuffin to excuse the, the, the film existing in the first place. And then that's it. Then you're off to the races and just let all the characters kind of do the thing that they do best with each other. And you let them kind of dance around and have their hero moments and have their, their big kills and... It would be a laugh riot. It would be gruesome. It would be amazing. It would be so much fun. And so for my 
remix version, which is uh, what I have next, I wanted to kind of look at the nature of this in the first place, which is spectacle. This is purely a spectacle film. There, it's only in existence because of the potential for money made from all these characters being in the same movie together and creating spectacle. They, they don't need to make this movie. It's not a natural progression from all these stories. But it's still so much fun that you want to check it out. And I figured, like, how do you make it more of a spectacle than it already is with the, with all these characters in these uh, in the same film together? And I thought the only way to do that is to make this a fucking musical. So imagine Summon All Monsters, the musical, a musical starring Freddy, Jason, Mike Myers, Candyman, Leatherface, Ash, and Elvira with an assortment of other side characters that can be thrown in. You have this massive tapestry that can just be this fan letter to horror with insights and references and cameos and lines from movies, all these things that you can throw together into this vast, like just big love letter. And it would be so much fun. And as far as recasting these roles, it would make a lot more sense to recast these roles. If you're talking about it being on Broadway, like a Broadway musical. So that's, kind of where I went with that. And also how fun would that be? You wouldn't, you, the fanboys I think would be able to better uh, swallow some of these, these roles being different that the, that the idea of this happening in the first place makes more sense if it's a musical, because it's almost like easier to understand it as a alternate universe version. If it's a musical and no better director to do a musical with these characters than Lin-Manuel Miranda and there will be a lot of hip-hop influence in this version as well. And additionally, you know, some some rock ballads as well. You know, we got to mix it up. And then you can have those tones with the different characters. And I know you're probably thinking musical when, when uh, three of the main slashers don't talk is a lot. But then that actually cuts down on the amount of, like singing time that's necessary. And then also you give them other talents to go with where Jason and Mike Myers, they could be break dancers. Imagine a break dance fight against Jason and Mike Myers, uh, just breaking it the fuck down. And you get some, some actors that can really actually, you know, dance to go in and learn some great old school 80s style break dance moves. And these are also slashers that came into their, their celebrity in the 80s or late 70s and early 80s. So breakdancing makes sense in the conversation of a film like 80 slashers. So to see Mike Myers and Jason just rock the fuck out, like getting down uh, with some old school breakdancing moves. You have some like mood keyboard dance beats and stuff playing. It would be super fun. Uh, then you've got, of course, Freddy Krueger that is just going to be the wise Kraken you know, one-liner joke given, like bigger chewing scenery person than anybody else alive. Uh, then you've got Leatherface, who's also a big dum-dum, but is also between the three of those, Mike Myers and Jason are like taller, that they have been lankier before. You could see them being break dancers more so than Leatherface. Leatherface is a square and <laughs> therefore not really great at the whole breakdancing thing. But what you do is make him a incredible drummer. And you have a drum set made of human skin that you have on the set, on the on the stage, that whenever 
he wants to like have a, his solo. It's more communicating through the drum beats of like aggressive or sad, and you have you know accompanying music to go with his drum beats. But you find a way to have that stomp kind of tone uh, or communication with the audience with Leatherface and his drum set, and then you have the dumb drummer kind of uh, stereotype that you can play with, play in that space with, with Leatherface. And then, of course, Ash, that's going to be kind of the narrator of the story. He's going to be the hero, but he's actually kind of... Uh, he and Avira, for the most part, are side characters in this musical. They're there to eventually kind of win the day and what have you, but this isn't their story. This is... Uh, they're there to kind of corral these monsters together with the idea that if we get them to kill each other, there's less that they have to face conversation. And then you get this battle royale with the monsters and their backstories and their uh, conversations. Candyman is going to be the one that is really the most motivated. He kind of gets what's going on a little bit more than some of the other slashers. And he and Freddy are the ones that are really uh, at odds with each other the most in this uh, musical version. And then you've got uh, Elvira who is just having a blast like she's not scared she's hitting on all the the bigger monster guys like all the all the big dummies in this jason mike myers even leatherface she's like this is my type the strong silent type and it's just molesting these slasher dudes and they're not sure how to handle like the the buxom uh female ca uh, character not running at all from them but being more like oh yeah <laughs> this is what I'm talking about and being super sexual to them that throws them off their game. They not really don't really know how to handle that situation. So I think it'd be really fun to see Elvira almost freaking out the slashers and being like overly aggressive and have that change in tone where they're running from her because she's like this, these are my dream men. These, these are the ones that I'm, I've always been wanting are these big, big dummy slasher guys and uh, just completely terrorizing them throughout this uh, this uh, musical. I think it'd be hilarious. And uh, so now for the casting. This was a challenge because I wanted known actors and actresses to portray these roles. And it's kind of difficult when you also have to look at who can dance, uh, who, who can sing, who's got some Broadway background or at least some singing or dancing background depending on the character. And so... There's kind of a ragtag here happening, and very rarely do I do this, but actually for Jason Voorhees, I chose the same actor that I chose in the serious role, and that's uh, Channing Tatum, and partly because he can, you know, physicality-wise, he can do the Jason Voorhees, but also he can dance. If you've seen Magic Mike, um, also there's tons of videos of him, like, breaking it down, uh, getting funky with it. Uh, and so you've got a, a known actor that is the right body type for the character and also does know how to dance. I think it would be really fun to, and Jason Voorhees does take off some mask sometimes. So you can have that moment where it's Channing Tatum, like winking, you know, at the audience with his mask off and be like, yep, no, it is me Channing Tatum. It would be really fun. Then to go against him in this breakdance battle that will be truly epic is another, uh, action esque actor that is known for his action roles, but is also a giant nerd, plays D&D, &D, and I think would have a lot of fun in the role of Mike Myers. And also, if <laughs> you can find it on YouTube that he, he was in a breakdancing instructional video in, I think, the 80s, and he's got a lot more hair than he has since then. 
And I think they had in the contract, they're like fame, but no hair or hair and no fame. You've got to choose one or the other. You can't do both. You've got Vin Diesel as Mike Myers. Uh, Legit breakdanced in the 80s. That was totally a thing he did. So he could bring that old school style, that old school flair against Channing Tatum, Mike Myers versus Jason Voorhees breakdance battle. I want to see it. I want to fucking see it. Um, I'm also realizing that I did not say my casting for Mike Myers in the real version and tall, lanky Mike Myers. Uh, sorry for that. I was getting too excited about all the other casting roles. Um, I decided to go with uh, Alexander Skarsgård as Michael Myers. I wanted him. He's like six foot nine or something. He's a gigantic man. And that would make a difference between uh, Channing Tatum and Skarsgård is uh, that Mike Myers is thinner, but he's much taller. And Jason is, though he's very tall, he's wider. So there's some variance. It's not two equal party things. Uh, Mike Myers has the reach. Jason has the strength. There's some balance there. Uh, for my Mike Myers, is uh, for the musical, is Vin Diesel. Then we go on to Candyman, who is really... One of the real lead slashers in this version for me, I felt that there was such a romantic nature to this character in the films and at Tony Todd's portrayal. I really wanted to have this as being one of the more grounded characters in this. All of these other characters, even the the protagonists, the heroes, if you will, of this story are such bigger than life, um, like cartoon characters to a degree. And they're supposed to be. That That's exactly how they're supposed to be portrayed. There's something a little bit more uh, human about Candyman that I was always very uh, uh, interested in, very drawn to. And I wanted to have, like I said in the uh, other version as well, is that kind of a, a through line through this story as him being kind of the conflicted uh, villain a little bit more. Um, and so you need somebody that can sing their ass off can dance, can sing, and can really, like, carry as, like, the leading character in this musical um, well and has all the personality in the world. And I could think of none better than the actor that portrayed Lafayette in Hamilton. He's the lead in the the show Snowpiercer. He's done a bunch of uh, Broadway stuff. Uh, David David Diggs is who I'm talking about. A phenomenal uh, entertainer across the board uh, can sing his ass off, can dance, can hold a scene really well, has some real star power to him, and I think would knock it out of the park as Candyman. Would not, again, portray it the same way as Tony Todd and shouldn't. Um, you can, But he can definitely have a nuance to that character that can be seen, you know, 50, 30 rows back uh, and in Broadway. And so I, I think that that's, for me, the best choice. Now, Leatherface, Leatherface was interesting because you didn't really need anybody that had any nuance to the character. Honestly, a Broadway-trained actor might try to do too much to explain the feelings of the character with body language. And the whole joke of Leatherface in this version is he's just this big, dumb idiot that like everybody's making fun of the whole time. That he, he can't talk, he can't run very fast, uh, he can't break dance. He can't sing. There, there's not a whole lot he can do. He's expert with the chainsaw, and uh, and he's you know got everybody's back. And he's kind of like the big sweetheart of this story of the slasher. Still, you know, horrifying monster uh, person. 
but he's kind of like the 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 friend in the ensemble films and TV shows that like gets picked on the most, um, but is also like the the most supportive of their friends at the same time. And uh, so I thought it'd be interesting to get somebody who's the main roles is just somebody that's kind of got like a a bigger body shape, does not have to be like muscly by any stretch. And uh, but also can play the shit out of some drums because that's going to be the main way of communicating. And I thought it would be so much fun to see what Questlove could do in the role of Leatherface. Uh, he's a incredibly accomplished drummer, uh, could knock it out of the park as far as just communicating through the drums. And I think it would be interesting to see how you do that in a musical, that you use the drums almost as a, another language in the musical and Questlove, he's so talented. He'd be able to work with uh, Lin Manuel Miranda to kind of create that language for Leatherface. And uh, I'm I'm into the. It's funny that this is my remix, which is usually like a really funny take. And this is funny. I think it'd be very <laughs> very funny to see this version of it. But I think there actually is something here too. This has happened before with remixes where it's so crazy it just might work. And I would love if. There wasn't licensing issues getting in the way to see if something like this could get made. And uh, then we've got our Ash, Ash Williams. And he's the narrator, basically. He's the one that's informing you as the as the scenes change, uh, in telling you kind of the nature of what's going on, how people are feeling, setting up scenes, that kind of thing. And there's a actor slash Broadway performer that was in Hamilton is also in mind hunters. So has dealt with darker material before on uh, on Netflix and killer actor, great comedic timing as well. Um, played the King in Hamilton, uh, Jonathan Groff. I chose for Ash and mainly because I don't think that in a actual film adaptation of uh, this, that he would be the right choice for Ash but in the version we're doing, the Broadway musical version, where Ash is almost the kind of the master of ceremonies of this story, I think he'd be able to portray that relatively well and give it kind of a, a musical uh, rhythm to the character. Then finally, the last casting here is the role of Elvira. Now, this is very tough, and I do actually want to give a shout-out to uh, my... Uh, partner and, and co-host of Deeply Upsetting, who is a big musical fan, Amy Bogard. She helped me with this musical version a little bit, helping me uh, kind of figure out how to give it that musical tone with the casting, with some of the kind of changes to the story to make it feel more musical. And this was definitely a suggestion from her, so I want to give her full credit. For Elvira, Megan Hilty is the choice. You may know her from the TV show Smash. She played uh, Glinda the Good Witch in Wicked, a very accomplished Broadway actress. And uh, similarly to Christina Hendricks, has the uh, appropriate assets to uh, to portray the Elvira character. So, and I watched some s stuff on YouTube before recording this just to get an idea of... Uh, of the actress, how they hold themselves. And I think, honestly, it was a very good call. I think Megan Hilty would be the best choice for a classically uh, trained Broadway actress to portray a musical version of Elvira, or a more musical version, sorry, of Elvira. And uh, so I... The reason this was delayed is because I became so intrigued at the idea of a musical starring all of my favorite slashers that I started 
really digging into how the story would go and that informed actually my real story version as well. And then just thinking about, you know, some of the songs that you could have where at times that all the monsters are showing up at the same time and Ash is informing the audience of what is happening, you know, as people are, all these slashers are arriving and then they're at odds with each other and they have this natural predilection and they have to kill each other. But at the same time, Ash and Elvira are at the beginnings of it going, oh no, what do we do? And then finding out just really that they have a limited amount of time to kill them all before the last, like the Highlander of the slashers uh, attains ultimate evil power uh, and over the world. And it it's just, it's so fun that I ended up actually writing and quickly uh, performing and mixing a uh, battle rap, short, a short battle rap between Freddy Krueger and Candyman for this episode. And that is part of the reason why this episode is delayed is that I had to put a lot more time into the quote unquote trailer for uh, this episode than I normally would because I just, I had to, I had to hear it. Even, even though this is, this is not a super high end production value. I uh, found a, you know, open uh, copyright beat to work with. And then I wrote out all the lines. I'm going to have the lyrics to it available on the smack my pitch up social media on Twitter and Facebook as well. I might even post it on the GUI uh, Instagram as well. Um, because I think the, I came up with some pretty solid lines that I'm kind of proud of. I think it's really fun. And uh, so that that's why we're delayed on the release of this episode. And I really hope you enjoy it because it did take a little while to get it together. But again, I had fun doing it. So it's not really that big a deal if you guys don't enjoy it. <laughs> it was really uh, mainly just for me. Uh, and hopefully other people will get some joy out of it as well. So uh, without further ado, uh, since this itself is a mashup, there's no real need for mashups since... Uh, I did the song that will take place of the trailer. So um, without further ado, here is the debut of the, as I'm calling myself for my MC name, uh, MC Gamwai Sanji is in the house. And uh, this is called Summon All Monsters. The Necronomicon Ex Mortis, roughly translated the Book of the Dead. The book serves as a passageway between other dimensions and Elvira has accidentally called some of the universe's deadliest monsters. Now it's up to me to stop it. Again. Ruby. They say the blood that I have shed was truly innocent, but when I'm called from the beyond, I fucking answer it. Like, ooh, the crew attacking bees, I'm out here killing it. Now I gotta deal with Freddy, now that dude, he fucks with kids. You know, my boy is squaring off, oh no, he must be tripping. Like, sweetest honey, you're the runs that I've commenced addition. And then you call these other fucks like they've been competition? Say farewell to the flesh cut burning killer ends you live in. This is all the little kids give me all my strength. And when it's your time, I've been known to go to any length. Stock your dreams, welcome to prime time, I don't want your thanks. But Captain Hook, you better kiss the glove and fall in rank. So welcome to my nightmare, this is God, and if you please, you get more kids with honey, not with swords of killer bees. If Leatherface could talk that shit, they'll hear it back me up. But Muni's on his drums to show you bitches what is what. Oh, that was just awful. Hey, Leatherface, tell you what. Stick to wearing skin on your face, not hitting him with sticks. And let me get this straight. There's a guy called Candyman, and he's not the pedophile here? 
I'm sorry. None of this makes enough sense to me. I'm sorry, Elvira. You're on your own. I'm going to go home and sleep off this hangover. All right. So that is the premiere of Summon All Monsters by MC Gamwise Samji. I hope you enjoyed it. I will be releasing that separately on this same feed uh, in the next like day or two after this episode drops. So if you feel for some reason any level of need to have it on your own, it will be made available so, uh, outside of the episode itself. So uh, and on the episode, I will state and I'll put on the notes for that release as well as that. Feel free to use it any way you please. Completely open copyright. I I did it fully for fun. Uh, just make sure that the backing music that will be in the notes for this episode and that one as well is properly credited. I would appreciate it too if, if you mention where it came from. But yeah, feel free to alter or use it however you want. Uh, it's it's all for fun anyway. And uh, and that concludes this special solo edition that actually ran a lot longer than I expected of uh, Smack My Pitch Up. You can find all of our shows. Anywhere you get your podcast, look up Smack My Pitch Up. Please rate and review. My favorite review that we have currently is on Apple Podcasts, and it was somebody that literally gave three stars and said it was okay, and I absolutely love it. I'm not mad at all. Uh, it's the most honest review, and I feel like that three stars that we earned from that person is better sometimes than the five stars that we've gotten before because it's not being like, I liked it okay, so I'm going to give it five stars. It's you you earned exactly five stars and I'll fucking take it. Now, if you choose to give us five stars, I'm not going to complain either. I appreciate it deeply. I want to thank ahead of time, all of the panelists that are going to be helping me along the way during the month of October. It's always a very busy month here at the network. And we've got a lot of really cool stuff coming out this month for you. So buckle up, follow all the social media on Facebook, on Instagram, on Twitter, from Smack My Pitch Up, Geeks Under the Influence Network, uh, to follow along with what's coming out and uh, and all the all the cool little extra stuff that we're doing this month. And uh, make sure you tell your friends as well. You know, that's the best way to get the word out about these shows. Uh, we, and we appreciate it. Finding mean, again next time for a edition that has tr- a, a, maybe a guest on that ed- episode uh, for next time. Uh, I'm Mike the Hobbit, and as always, you just got Pitch Smacked. GUIPodcast.com We've got a devilicious little Kickstarter here for all you geeks and ghouls for the Halloween season. Throwing Horns. It's a light RPG of devils, demons, and metal. You play a literal band of demons touring the best and worst venues in hell. The promoter, or a.k.a. the GM, will guide you on the tour and throw encounters in your path, which you can overcome in the most metal ways possible. Use head-banging tunes, your demonic commanding presence, or just good old-fashioned violence to beat encounters and continue. This is a Kickstarter from a friend of ours that only has through the month of October to raise its funds, so definitely go to throwinghornsrpg.com or just hit up the link on our homepage at gypodcast.com. Donate! get some extra stuff if you reach the right tier of donation and keep on throwing them horns. Coming straight from the mouths of madness, I'm Lowdown. I'm F.U. Hunter. Do you love horror? We fucking do. So this is a podcast dedicated to all things in cinematic horror. We're talking movies, television, composers, special effects artists. We're going to fucking cover it. So if you love horror, embrace the madness. 